Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. I am... In the middle of nowhere. I'm on a hot spot. Don't even have Wi-Fi. Mancus, Colorado, town of 1300, elevation 7000. So if my connection just goes out, that's on me. That might happen. If I go out, I go out and I go out in flames with a beautiful mustache, hopefully gracing your screen. Matt Connor, though, joining me, going to handle most of the show. Matt, how you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. I love the stash. I love the deputy look you're going for. Yeah. I love the, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. If we if you're here with your hair, we praise your hair. If it's your facial hair, we praise your facial hair. Uh, you, you got something going on. Uh, anyway, I'm excited about today's show. We have a killer guest. And, uh, and I know you love Seth. I know I love yeah. Seth. I'm pretty sure everyone in Chief's Kingdom loves Seth. Is that right? Is there anyone who does not? If they don't, they're, you're an asshole. Okay, you're wrong. Seth's the best. If you don't like Seth Kaiser, we will find you. We will fight you. We will probably lose, but it's to prove a point. Love it. Can we can we bring him in? Is he is he uh, is he around? Oh, Seth isn't here. We're already having snafus, technical snafus. Frankly, I blame you, Matt. Okay, I I'm on a hot spot in a town of. He comments. Okay, Seth Kaiser is commenting right now in the comments, but won't join us. Thanks, Seth. Okay, come on now, pal. I'm literally here in the mountains. You can't see. I tried to give you guys some views, and all it was was sun or wind, or I was going to get sunburnt, so I wasn't going to do it. Sorry, guys. I love you, but I'm not going to get sunburnt for this. I already went hiking this morning. I'm not a hiker. I just had COVID, so that's why I was gone last week. I just hiked like four miles, okay? This is hard for me. I'm out of shape. I we're, we're Casey Beerco, I get too many beers from them to hike, Okay. Did you bring something with you, by the way? Do you like? No, I did. And I'm very disappointed. I went to a brewery out here. Let me tell you, it's not Casey Beerco. I tried it. No, I should have brought, I should have brought some Casey Beerco. I'm very disappointed, man. Very disappointed. I was going to sit, I was going to post some really cool pictures. I literally went to Pike's peak. I did it just for the donuts. I hate heights, hate heights. Just for the donuts. Yeah. Donuts up there. Oh, Seth, baby. There he is. Look, hey fellas, uh, I'm I'm gonna own this. I sent Seth the wrong link. <laughs> you did. You sent me a lovely link to the live stream. Yeah, I was like, "Hey Seth, be a guest on this thing that you're watching <laughs> and not participating in." It made it feel so much more real to me. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, we've got this iron out like completely without wrinkles. So our show, it, it's like we open the envelope and announce it's La La Land as the winner. And uh, and instead, it's it, it's not. Seth, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thank you guys for having me. And for what it's worth, I liked La La Land. I didn't think I would, but I did. <laughs> And so I mean I, I I don't know it was it was a good it was a good show, dude. I bailed in five minutes for the, the movie, right? La La Land. Yeah. Did you dude, not make it through the opening musical score? Was that the problem? <laughs> yeah, man. I love musicals. I but see, I'm a different kind of cat. I went to some forty one. I go to a some forty one concerts. Not sorry, like I couldn't do it. Wait, I'm an old, and that helps me. Sterling just said he loves musicals, but then bailed on a musical number after five minutes after he probably paid for it. I think that's a lie on the front. <sighs> it was a terrific show. And yes, the, the 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 early musical thing, I think maybe you have to like really love L.A. to get into that first one. But you just ignore that. I was like, you know what? Ryan Gosling's going to show up eventually and it's all going to be OK. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Hey, that's kind of true of anything. Like if Ron Gosling showed up right now, yeah, yeah. he would make up for Sterling's mustache. He would make up for our link snafu. Like he would just take care of everything. He would also get torched though playing cornerback. We saw how that played out. And what was it? Remember the Titans? We saw he oh, cannot yeah. play cornerback. Yeah, yeah so. he couldn't hang with those guys. He could not hang with them. <laughs> and that I mean, he actually, I mean, he had to end that movie knowing that he was nothing but a liability. 
once they got to the next level. And that's got to be tough. Mm. So, hey, it's Clint. Sorry, I'm just like, I'm reading article. I'm reading comments now. You, you guys caught me. I don't know if you see that Briscoe is in here in the comments trolling you guys. Dude, it happens in my sleep anyway. I have, <laughs> I have a picture of Briscoe just kind of hanging around in my dreams. Like trolling. He's texting me right now. He says, read my comments, you bleep. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> just, you know... <laughs> oh my goodness. This is a, uh, this, you guys have to understand. I mean, it was, I'm sure Sterling, you, you live this more than I do. My life having met Josh has had like a 20% downslope in quality <laughs> just <laughs> purely from having Josh in my life, but he's part of my life now. So, you know, what are you going to do? You know, I can't, uh, I love can't, it. I love it. Yeah. I can't, can't get rid of him. At least not legally. So, <laughs> at least not legally. You're a you lawyer, dude. You could. You would know a restraining lawyer, right? order. You could totally do a restraining order. I could try. I don't know. I don't know. I, I lose more and more faith in the legal system the more I watch the Depp Heard trial, and so I just, I, I just don't know. I've just decided I can't do anything. So. <laughs> I like, I like you. There's a, there's a comment here from Sam Elder. Is there any content coming up? I make no promises. Sam, Sam, we're so sorry. Uh, yeah. Hey, so let's get into the show. I, we, we Here's what we owe people. We owe people like, who is Seth? What's going on to my show? Josh Briscoe just donated a dollar. I'm not acknowledging anything that Josh is doing out there right now. So here, so here's what, uh, uh, I'm so mixed up right now with Sterling in, in Colorado and, and, uh, and Josh Prisco trolling us. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Okay, so folks, if you're new with us, welcome to the Airhead Attic Podcast. We're 20 minutes in and we're still doing intros. However, let me say this. Uh, Seth Kaiser, we asked Seth on the show because we love Seth's work. Seth, you and I go back to Arrowhead Pride. We do. In like 20, I don't know, what was it? My first post there was 2009 after the Same Tony here. Gonzalez trade. It was like I was arguing for that it was actually good trade. Little did I know we'd use it on Javier Arenas and the whole thing would fall apart. You know, um, Javier seemed like he might work out for a while. I, it, I've been it, making it, bad takes ever since then. You, however, mm. have been making good takes since 2009. Um, is that right? 2009? Is that what you said? I, I think the good takes didn't really start until probably around 2014 or 2015. <laughs> I, um, I actually credit um, Matt Castle with my career. In, in actually like analyzing. There's a reason for that because after 2010, I spent some time saying, no, I think he's pretty good. Look at that. What was it? 27 touchdown, 10 yep. interceptions. And I made all the same arguments that I now, if someone made them to me, I would like probably not be super kind about it, but it's a, uh, it, it, that's what his lack of success and how his statistics didn't match up with what was pretty apparent when you watched him play, when things went a little bit wrong, that's what actually got me into like, I need, I want to learn as much as I can about the game. So Matt Castle is the only difference between you and me, Matt. Like uh, <laughs> That's the only thing that different is that my failure was so complete so early that I had to crawl myself out of the abyss. And, but yeah, since 2009, yeah, I, I became a contributor, I think in 2010 ish. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, and then then yeah, eleven years ago, it's crazy. It is crazy. We just had BJ Kissel on last week. Um, Terrible, and person. We, we were talking about all those days because I remember when BJ and I were doing like our first podcast on like there called Chop Talk, and you were contributing, and uh, there were just so many cool, like great people in those days. It was just kind of the a, a birthplace hub of all of. Uh, now there's a whole younger a younger crew with like Sterling and Joshua and, and all the guys yeah. who don't know. But uh, it's so cool to see that, like to see yeah. that continue. Because if you look back at, you know, that time you had just gotten past, like you still had like like Patrick Allen posting there and yep. some guy named Flowers24 talking about some draft guide he was doing. <laughs> that's that's Matt, uh, Matt V, for those who don't know. I mean, it just really, you, there were so many people that were like kind oh, of man. born into content out of the early stages of Arrowhead Pride. It's really cool to see. It's 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 a site that's always going to mean a lot to me. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Folks, if you're new with Seth, just want to just give you a heads up. Seth is uh, 
chiefs analyst at the athletic. Yes. He also runs if if you're in if you know what a Substack is, a newsletter, you guys got to subscribe to his Chief of the North podcast or uh, Substack. I, I've been a long-time subscriber. It's always great content. Thank you. Um it just feels like this great direct to the fan communication versus like having any sort of platform feels personal to you too. Do you feel that way too, Seth? I absolutely do. What I'm actually doing is I'm going to make sure to hop into the comments here so I can get people to a spot they can subscribe, but make sure that they subscribe for the, 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 the coupon amount, um, which is using a bit that Josh made for me. Cause he knows how to do things like that a bitly <laughs> or whatever. Um, no, I love doing Substack. It's I actually, it, we're coming up on the um, two year anniversary of the chief of the North newsletter. Um, nice. And I, I kind of started it off for two reasons. One, I mean, to be very, very upfront, you know, during the, the COVID stuff and things were slowing down, we didn't know if there was a, we didn't, yeah. We didn't know whether or not there was going to be a football season. So the athletic was starting to gear things down because they weren't sure it was going to happen. So, so I wasn't writing as much. And I was like, I, I, this is my hobby. This is what I do for fun. I've got so many other things to write. And um, a few guys that do Substacks had talked to me about it. And I thought that seems interesting. And I thought it would be something that maybe I would do temporarily or just like write an article every couple of weeks. And the support has been just completely overwhelming to where it's it's the main thing I do now. It, it's where I spend the vast majority of my time and energy because I can I can you can really dive into niche stuff there. You know, it's like for the athletic, it's hard to justify. Hey, so what I really want to do is, you know, the Chiefs took a rookie center this year. I want to review the first six games of the season and chart every single snap. And they're like. <laughs> But why? And I'm like, because I'm crazy and it's awesome. And some other crazy people think it's awesome too. And they're like, how many? I'm like, probably like 10, but that's who I want to reach. And so it's been awesome. A direct line to people. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'll post a link there, but it's been, it's been so much fun. It allowed me to go more into the draft this year. It's just a lot of fun. Um, And I'll, I'll drop my thing there. I'll I'll do my best at least try to figure out YouTube chat. I, I, I love that you, um, I love that you say, oh, yeah, with my free time, I love to to chart all this because your free time also includes like being a lawyer and dad to five kids. Is that right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, jazz does most of the work. I mean, I I just live here. (laughs) Um, um, It does. All that stuff is what I do with my 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 free time. I just you know, they do the whole, you know, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. That's not always true. But I genuinely enjoy this so much. Like this is something like when I talk about reviewing Creed Humphrey snaps, which, by the way, is one of the articles on there. Um, or, you know, when I, okay, should the chiefs really re-sign Orlando Brown? And I would want to know, like, that's one thing that I really realized after the Matt Castle stuff, the, the Todd Haley era, there's a lot of people, myself included, that watch the game and love the game and just don't realize how many interconnected parts are all over the place on every single play. And I want to know as much as possible about it. If I'm going to be doing that anyways, I might as well write about it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so rewarding when I have someone tell me, and yeah, I mean, it's a job. So, I mean, otherwise my wife would not let me spend this kind of time and energy on it. If it didn't pay. <laughs> like, um, but I, what's really rewarding for me is when someone says, Hey, I like football now more having learned a little more. Cause the more I learn about football, the more I like it. Yeah. Um, the more just, the more beautiful the sport it becomes when you see how interconnected, you know, the right tackles first step was to what the wide receiver was doing in the slot on the other side. It's like, it's all connected. So anyway, I love it. And it's been a lot of fun. Well, Seth, we're, we're anxious to hear from you about a number of things here. Uh, we do have to give a shout out to our sponsor, which we're actually happy to do. Sterling, you don't have any KC beer with you, do you, where you're at? The beer here is not, not great. KC Beer, the Hellas Lager, is way better than the freaking Hellas Lager I had here last night. KC Beer Co., German purity laws of 1516. That's how long and the way they do it. It is the best beer you will ever have, hands down. I'm not just saying that. I literally went there two days in a row two weeks ago, three weeks ago when they're Friday, Saturday. Sorry, it was a long time, okay? Seth, you don't understand. I've been out with COVID. Been Colorado. I've been missing some stuff here, but what I don't miss, highly recommend it. We love them as a sponsor. You get a chance to get it. I highly recommend it. Please do. And we always appreciate when you guys take pictures, tag us on Twitter. They love it. We love it. And it means a lot. So thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Sterling. And uh, yeah, I totally agree. I'm drinking the Dunkle right now. You know what I miss? I wish there were like puns involved. I wish I could say like, hey, this is Dunkle Fester or something like that, where you like make a play 
on the name. If you're with KTB or hire me and I will make up these things, give me a call, lock her on, and we'll talk about it. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Uh, really quickly, quick shout out. Clint McKenzie saying family time. Thank you for the donation. And the judge, uh, what current chief would be the best UFC fighter? Thank you for the, uh, the death. Since you're the guest, what current chief would be the best UFC fighter? Well, now that Alan Bailey's not on the team, it's like it <laughs> oh. used to always be super easy. It's just like, oh. yeah, come on. Man, when I look at the guys that they currently have, you need that combination. I, I think uh I think I think Leo Chanel might be tough. Um mm-hmm. he just he seems like he really his film, he really does like to hit people like a lot. And then obviously, I mean, unless you've stood next to Orlando Brown, it's tough to emphasize what a massive human he is. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, they say, like, you know, the size, it's not about the size of the dog and the fight, the size of the fight and the dog. That's not always true. <laughs> and that it doesn't matter how much fight that Chihuahua has, the Rottweiler's going to get it. Mm-hmm. And that that's Orlando Brown in most situations. But in terms of a UFC fighter, this is going to sound like I'm making this up. But it, if we assume, right, that they're going to have, you know, two years or how, I mean, way longer to really do it, right? To like come up in the sport and really do it. I have a hard time picturing Patrick Mahomes failing at anything, like athletically. <laughs> If, if you gave everyone okay we're gonna give all of you five years to train i feel like he would be the one just because he succeeds at everything have you ever watched the man golf it's ridiculous it's just it's just gross so it'd probably be him but it should always be alan bailey forever just <laughs> just hanging above the heads there that's pretty great that's that's pretty great answer plus i love the the ability to bring mahomes into it just to like satisfy every fan like oh you mentioned mahomes you're good man I'm oh absolutely love. i think yeah. once every every seven minutes when i'm on air or my head explodes <laughs> seth i want to lead out with this and and uh, it's a little bit different question than what i was going to lead with but the discussion around orlando brown jr and the entire contract extension is around he shouldn't be like you know j- just for the sake of review orlando brown jr stating uh per rumors that he wants to be paid as the highest left paid uh, highest paid left tackle in the game. You know, today Jordan Schultz came out with the fact that, or with the report that the Chiefs are going to get something done before July 15th. Um, of course, if they don't, then that forces both sides. It forces the Chiefs to pay up $16.6 million mm-hmm. this year, like it or not. And it forces Orlando Brown Jr. to table any security discussions of a long-term deal until after the season. So what this means is if they're motivated to get something done, there's a certain subset of Chiefs fans that are against this deal. Like they'd almost like to see it. Like they'd almost like to see him traded after the season or, Mm -hmm. you know, have the chiefs look at cheaper options down the road, et cetera. And it generally goes something like this. They may like Orlando Brown jr, but making him the highest paid almost makes them want to write it off. Sure. If there's any chiefs analyst known for nuance, like you, like even on Twitter, you try really hard to say, I'm only given so many characters here, but let me make the most multi-layered, nuanced, complicated thing that I can, right? Like, let, let sure. me acknowledge the complexity of the situation. As I, as I think about this, I look at those fans and just think, it's not about what he's done. You pay a guy for what you think he's going to grow into. Sure. So... What do you think he's going to grow into? It seems like the Chiefs like what that progression is going to be. Can you bring some nuance to the argument for those who need to hear it? I think there's there is there's multifacets here, and so I mean I don't even know where you'd want to start in terms of the multifaceted stuff. I do understand the argument of not paying a top five tackle top five money because he's not a top five left tackle yet. What is he in your book? Top ten? He hovers around there. Depends okay. on what you're looking for in your offense, too, because there's different guys that, you know, have you know a little better feet than him, but they're not going to be as mauling. But here's one thing with Orlando Brown that I think gets ignored a little more than it should. And this is true when I did his film review after the season ended, where I, you know, <clears throat> plug for the website, <clears throat> where I charted, I mean, hundreds of snaps. I don't remember how many games it was. It was seven or eight for wins, losses, because that's what matters, right? You can look at sacks given up, but I mean, you know, how often are they giving up sacks? What matters with a tackle is what they're doing consistently, snap in and snap out. And in today's NFL, especially against high-level competition, yep. the Chiefs kind of had an inverse of Orlando Brown and Eric Fisher, who is a competent, above average, well above average left tackle with the Chiefs. However, he consistently struggled with high-level competition. And even like, you know, say if in pass rushers, you've got like, you know, average, above average, good, and then great. He struggled with the great and he struggled with the good, particularly guys that had power moves in the repertoire. And so Orlando Brown's a little different in that it doesn't really matter 
where the competition falls on this scale, he's the same guy pretty consistently. He'll play as well or better against Trey Hendrickson than he will against some doesn't really matter who. And some might look at that as a negative thing because he might end up giving, you know, with some quick speed rush, he might give up a sack to a guy that you wouldn't think he should. But especially once you enter the playoffs and you enter big games, that matters a lot that it doesn't really matter who the next guy is. People talk about his game against Miles Garrett like he had a really bad game in week one. And from an objective standpoint, he kind of did. He gave up a sack, gave up a couple of hits. But then if you look at what Miles Garrett did in subsequent games and compare to how Brown held up against him, it actually looks pretty good because Miles Garrett is a monster. (laughs) And if you can make him work for it, and that's what he did. If you watch the film, he makes guys work for it. Snap in and snap out. They know they can't beat him inside. They know they can't go through him. So he turns everyone into this speed rusher over and over again around the edge. There's value to making your competition one-dimensional. And I think that's something that gets overlooked with Brown, Mm. just as he is. But to go to your other points, he's 25, I think going to be 26 when the season starts. He he just turned 26 this month, yeah. Just turned 26. He's gotten better every year he's been in the league, and that includes last year in a system that some people did not think he would be able to play at an above-average level in. He also got better in it as the year went on. He is, and he gets underrated for how smart a player he is because he's so big. You know, we tend to put guys into categories. You know, that's why people multiple years into Tyree Kill's career insisted he wasn't good, a good route runner. He had such an overwhelming speed trait that people ignored that. Mm. So that's that's kind of that, that kind of goes towards the film side of things. He's going to get better in terms of the contract stuff. There are certain things you can't do and certain things you can do with the fact that the salary cap exists. I would postulate that they already made one tough choice with Tyreek Hill, who's yeah. a great player who I think wanted to be in Miami. And so I'm not sure there was, I, I think once things got to the end there, I think that was it. I think it was over and they just made the best of it. That's not a decision that you repeat every single time. And it's very easy for people to say, well, no, we don't want to overpay. We don't want to overpay. We don't want to overpay. At a certain point, you have have to overpay to have star players. So then the question becomes, who do we overpay, i.e. pay above market value and hope that it's market value in two years, and why? And I think that's where you get into the the positional importance argument with Orlando Brown and the difficulty of replacing above average left tackle play. It's really easy for us to forget where things were at a year ago when we were like, holy crap, who's going to play on the offensive line for the Chiefs? That's a scary place to go, and there's value in that, that difficulty to replace. So that was a really long-winded answer, but like you said, it requires nuance. I get not wanting to overpay guys, but this idea that you're going to just, anytime you're not going to pay someone, that means you're going to pay someone else money. And what are you going to do with that money besides trying to get an above-average left tackle from Mahomes? And guess what? You're going to have to pay anyone that kind of money to be an above-average left tackle unless you get incredibly lucky. Yeah. I just also think it's tough, though, because you're giving so much money to Joe Tooney, and you're stuck here saying, how much money are we giving to the left side? Sure, it's great when the other three guys are probably going to be rookies, at least two, or second your guys and then potentially a rookie in Kennard. So you're, you're, you're cheap rookie contracts for three out of your five, but those two would be a massive hit to the salary cap. So when it comes to what could he be, my two main concerns are his feet. You're not going to get better feet just because you get older, right? Tends to right. be the opposite and athleticism. He's not going to all of a sudden get more athletic. The other right. attributes. Sure. I'm with you. As far as the technical side of things, he will for sure get more technical. One would hope, but do you have any concerns? As far as when people say, well, what could he be? He could become this, that, or the other, that he might have some more limitations that keep him from becoming that elite, elite type of left tackle. Oh, absolutely. I don't believe that he has a, well, you can't say Trent Williams as a ceiling because Trent Williams is playing at a level that's as high as almost anyone in the history of the game. Yeah. But he does have a ceiling that is lower than a guy with 90% of his power and length but significantly better feet. He doesn't, I don't think, have an elite ceiling. His floor, though, is, you already know his floor. His floor is is good. And that matters to me almost more in some ways when you've got a sum of the parts on the line. But I do think that's probably one reason why people are struggling with the idea of paying him because footwork can only account for so much. And he seems like a guy who really plays the angles and understands what his strengths are. His strength is he's a massive human with 20 foot arms. And he seems to, he seemed to get better and better at the angles in the chiefs offense as the year went along. But there are certain things 
every now and then you're going to have some kind of weird slide in the protection where he's going to be on an island in space against a pass rusher and he's never going to be a guy who can handle that for four straight seconds and that's always going to be a, a a ceiling that's almost impossible to break maybe if he plays you know 15 20 pounds lighter he doesn't lose much strength and he's a little quicker and so then you get to that you're close to elite but i do think that's definitely something to consider yeah i i uh i think what i love here is what you mentioned earlier the age um being only just 26 that that even like four years into a new deal the guy still has some 20s to burn Mm -hmm. and i also love the fact that he's durable the guy's never missed a single game in his entire career yeah i hate to knock on wood on that because i just said uh we had Charles Goldman on the show a couple of weeks ago from Chiefs Wire, and I said, "Hey, do you think there's going to be anything crazy happening this off season?" And then that, and then like two days later, Legarius Sneed's car gets shot up, and then uh, and then Charles sent me a message. He's like, "Hey, stop predicting things." <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, we'll move on from, we'll move on from Brown. I, I know, I mean, a deal's probably coming and people are going to like it or not like it. So, uh, uh, Akeem Hicks just came off the, the free agency he did. Uh, uh, list today to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A couple people, Lyle Graverson, uh, like on our site, was hoping he would he would uh, maybe be signed by the Chiefs. I was hoping you would take a look at the market at this point and just let us know, is there any move that you would like to see? You know, I mean, Melvin Ingram came and went. Um, some people liked Hicks. Curious what you think, if there's anyone there interesting to you as a roster addition, or do you think the roster is largely set and competition just really needs to play out? If I were them, the roster would not be largely set up front. I mean, that's a, um, they are thinner, at least on paper, than they were when the season ended. And they had problems with consistency and pass rush last year. And Melvin Ingram was actually part of the solution to that. And this is how I framed it actually talking to Josh just a a little bit before we started here, is that losing a Melvin Ingram, a good but not great player, should not be devastating for your defensive line. But it says something about the Chiefs' current situation that it's potentially devastating for them. In terms of moves, I think there there are some Ingram-adjacent players that they could adjective ingram adjacent ingram adjacent yep guys that you know in theory could maybe come in and perform at a decent level but i mean the pickings are getting slim i'm looking back through here just to remind myself if i'm missing anyone i mean you can maybe hope you get a little bit of pass rush out of ryan kerrigan you can hope you get what carlos dunlap did last season you give him that again in a rotational role i mean justin houston i don't think is ever coming back to kansas city i think him in the front office probably had some disagreements about his contract and so but that's the funny thing because justin houston would be a perfect fit like hey you need a guy who's competent still um and so it's it, it, it there's there's still a few guys left but they just have not treated that with remotely the urgency that i expected when the season ended and who knows you know maybe the Maybe the the market played out differently than they thought. But really, that market excuse doesn't really work with Ingram because they could have signed him. And again, you don't want to necessarily overpay for guys. People pay a lot of attention to that with the top end contracts, but they don't pay as much attention to that on the bottom end contracts. And it's just as true there and even more true because there's more of them. There's more bottom level contracts, but need should matter. And the Chiefs, I mean... It's frustrating to me because I feel like every year since Houston and Ford left town, and and there were reasons they had to blow up the defense. It all makes sense. I get it. It's really been Chris Jones and occasionally Frank Clark has had a few stretches of of the play that he's supposed to have, but never really. Because this was supposed to be, you know, two elite pass rushers. And then you can fill in the gaps around two elite pass rushers, but they've never had that. And, And then... 
as as per usual, Chris Jones gets blamed for not being impactful enough when that's not how rushing the passer works. There's a reason why the Rams go out and get Von Miller, even though they've already got Aaron Donald and multiple other good pass rushers, because it's a complimentary thing. And any one guy is winning at most 20 to 25 percent of the time. And you need more. So that's frustrating for me. And it definitely worries me. But like outside of Dunlap and a few others, the market is just Baron. Do you think that this shows the Chiefs have faith or hope in Malik Herring or Joshua Kando? It's not what I would do by any stretch of the imagination, but is this what, if we're inferring here, could this be mm-hmm. taken as the Chiefs are like, you know what? We think that those two young guys with what their contracts are as well will have a better dollar value than going out and trying to get a Carlos Dunlap at this point or getting one of those veteran guys who you have no idea. They know better than we do if that other shoe has fallen, right? They will have a better understanding if those guys are over the hill. Could that be playing a part in this? I mean, that's what we hope, I think, right? Like that they've got so much faith in some of these young guys. Um, you know, they got faith in some of these interior linemen um, in, 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 in Saunders and in Wharton, like that they're going to take another step forward. Maybe they think that part of the problem, you know, they've switched around things in terms of who's coaching on the defensive line. I mean, maybe they think that that's going to help guys develop a little bit more than what they have. Because it's worth noting, you know, that Jaron Reed came in and had a pretty underwhelming season with the Chiefs. Uh, Wharton and Saunders haven't developed a ton beyond what they were early when they already showed flashes. So maybe they think there's an issue there. Mike Dana was kind of like a ready-made product, but he is what he is, which what he is, by the way, is valuable. A guy that you can throw out there for 33% of the snaps or so and not regret it one bit. There's a ton of value in that. It's just not who you can have as one of your primary guys. And right now they've got, they're treating Frank Clark like he's one of their primary guys and his play on the field hasn't warranted that for several years. So my hope is that's the plan that they really see something, you know, they think Carl Loftis is just going to be able to come in and be really good immediately, which is tough, very tough, especially consistently. Um, but maybe they think some of these younger guys can rotate in. And if that's what they're thinking, fair enough. But obviously until we see it, it it's, you know, just a little jittery. Hey folks, we're talking with Seth Kaiser here. I'm going to get to a few more questions, of course, but just want to let you know, um, any of you who've uh, like contributed um, here, questions of your own, commenting, um, there are all kinds of ways to access hanging out with me and Sterling, who would really not want to do that, but also Matt Verderam, Patrick Allen, and hey, sign up in the AA membership. Uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff. We're going to start to do some giveaways. We've got hangouts um, with just members only, etc. Seth knows the value of a good membership, so he could speak to that. Um, so if you're uh, if you're already one of our members, of course, you should add Seth to that uh, line item expense in your Chiefs membership uh, account. That's also good. Uh, but if you want to know how to be an AA member, an Arrowhead Addict member, I wouldn't suggest the normal, like, of course, be an AA member if you have other problems. Those two initials have a lot of meaning to different people, so I'll just say it that way. Anyway, uh, if you want to... <laughs> I'm screwing all this up, but see the link, see the uh, description wherever you're, uh, you're, wherever you're getting your podcast. <laughs> Dude, we're also sponsored by a beer company. You're like it can't be that that AA. That'd be. I'm watching Matt just spiral, and it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> this happens every week. This happens every week, and uh, I'll probably get some some email is in my inbox already. I'm sure. Anyway, yeah, what are you um, hey, uh, Seth, I'm glad you're a lawyer. By the way, I'll be talking to you after this, so I, um, I can help you. <laughs> Hey, uh, Seth, what, um, based on what you're hearing, seeing about OTAs, the Chiefs roster looks radically different than anyone who would have thought uh, before the before the offseason began. Just like on the whole, it makes me curious about the way you're viewing the roster right now. How optimistic are you? Do you like what you're hearing? Are you feeling sure. pretty confident? Um, you mentioned earlier the moves you'd make, so that maybe that gives us some idea of what you're going to say, but I'd love to just kind of hear you sound off on how you feel about the state of the chiefs in late May. I'm actually pretty happy. You know, the Hill thing I think was a tough break in some ways and they turned that into an opportunity. If they killed this draft and you know, the, the, the early returns, everyone loved the draft and 
I love the draft. I, and I'm not a draft, Nick. I didn't really know a ton about the guys till I reviewed their film. And sometimes that's gone well in the past. Like I remember reviewing Breland Speaks film and I was like, huh, okay, I guess we'll <laughs> see what happens. But I thought that about Juan Thornhill too. So what do I know? Um, <laughs> subscribe. So, <laughs> so I mean, they, they, they had on paper a really good draft. And if they did crush it, and if even half the guys they drafted in this draft turn out as they're hoping, the Tyreek Hill thing isn't going to go down as something that really hurts them that much and really actually allowed them to do a soft reset in terms of the team structure. Because they're a very differently structured team just based on that one move. You know, yeah. bring in a ton of rookies and kind of higher level type rookies. And if that works out, awesome. That allows them to move into the next stage of Patrick Mahomes' career post the Hill Kelsey era much more quickly and efficiently. I like, like, if you look at, you kind of view it by each position group. And if you look at it, you know, obviously quarterback, they didn't really need to do anything there. Um, uh, you know, but the running back position, we'll see what Clyde has, you know, he's had a couple of years where he's been fine, but he hasn't really stayed healthy and hasn't been really a needle mover, you know, bringing in Ronald Jones, who's a better runner, at least on film. That's a decent idea. It doesn't really move the needle much. I do like what they did with the wide receiver position. I don't, I don't, I think they were just put in a tough spot with what happened with Hill, but grabbing the guys that they grabbed that allowed them to do things a little bit differently and approach things a little bit differently. The offensive line looks good. So, you know, you go through each position group and really the only position group right now that I'm stressed about is the defensive line. Unfortunately, that's a really important position group. And there's also the fact that at corner, even though I'm not stressed at it because they've thrown so many bodies at the position. And I love that they did that in the draft because no one knows what they're doing when it comes to corners. No one. It's, it's impossible. Even pros year to year, they go high, they go low. It's crazy. I would say you just throw bodies at it. Find talented guys, throw bodies, grab a guy like McDuffie who has great college film and was asked to do a ton in his college defense. He was asked to do a bunch of different types of coverage. Great. Hopefully that works. So then you throw other talented bodies at the position. You grab a Williams, you grab a Watson, you, 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 you grab a cook for the safety position. I love what they did there, but they're still relying a lot on young guys at corner. That makes me a little nervous. The thing is they've shown repeatedly they can make it work developing guys at corner. So that just isn't stressing me out as much as defensive line. Overall, I feel good about the roster. I wish they'd been more aggressive on the line, but that that really is my biggest beef with how the offseason went. The Chiefs have had a noticeable structure change in the past probably year or two, getting more physical. They've gone from a more finesse-based team, especially mm-hmm. in the offensive line, Orlando Brown Jr. is the opposite of Eric Fisher, right? Mitchell Schwartz was a technician at right tackle, but he was not a super physical guy. Uh, Brian uh, Cook, Leo Chanel in the draft. Obviously, George Karloftis, Kennard. Are you enthused about this more physical style that we should be seeing from Kansas City? I think on defense, it was a necessity. Uh, Back in February, right after the playoffs ended, um, I wrote about like four of the the ten thousand feet in the air needs that I thought needed to be addressed on roster on the roster, and one of them was improved speed and physicality on defense at every level, and that's what they did in the draft at every single level. Um, Karloftis is an underrated athlete. You know, people know that he's not a bendy guy, but he's a good athlete. He moves around well. He's got some quickness. Got he's got some burst. He's got a better first step than he gets credit for. Um, Chanel, excellent athlete. Um, who he can actually do some of the Sam linebacker stuff and move sideline to sideline in theory. Uh, Cook is an excellent athlete. McDuffie's an excellent athlete. Williams and Watson's are they're excellent athletes. I love that they did that on defense, and all of them are guys that are physical on film as well. So I love that on offense. I'll uh I'll believe it when I see it that they are going to really adapt that much more of a physical mindset, just because For one, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you're never going to be like, yeah, let's run the ball 40 times. (laughs) On the other hand, they've got a line to where, especially if teams are going to keep, hey, we're going to keep playing these two high shells. We're going to have our linebackers backing off at the snap. I would not care if Andy Reid started a game saying, we are going to hand off the ball 20 times in a row until you jackasses stop doing this to us. (laughs) And I'd be okay with it. So I do think it's an important thing for them to do. You Like you point out, I mean, their line is significantly more physical. Kennard fits right in with that mm-hmm. in terms of being a more physical player as opposed to a finesse player. I like that they're getting bigger across the board. It feels like it's a way to address what have been some issues over the last few years. And I, I like that they're doing that.
Seth, I know you just have like a minute or two left here. Got a Walmart order to pick up for my wife. <laughs> let me let me give you a, let me give you some quick hits. Just yep. yes or no, player names, whatever. Um, and then you just tell tell us what you think off the top of your head. Would you have made the Tyreek Hill trade, knowing what we know about the finances and 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 all that? Yes or no? I would not have. No. Okay. Would you have Would you have brought back Tyron Matthew for another season? No. Okay. Give us your favorite rookie that they've added in this draft class. I'm such a cliche. It, it is Sky Moore. I really, really like the way he wins. Now we'll see if that translates. The quality of competition was very different, but people were saying that about you know the defenses Patrick Mahomes was throwing at when he was in college. When you're looking at traits, the ability to get clean releases against physical coverage when the hands are in the same place, that ability to cut quickly, that stuff, that generally speaking translates across the board. And so he's he's one I'm really excited to look at. I, I just, I really like the way he moves. It's probably, it's probably Sky Moore okay. with, with Karloftis being a close second. Uh, Justin Ross making the 53-man roster. You buying or selling? I'm going to become known as the Justin Ross hater guy. I'm hey, join the club, pal. <laughs> I think I think Justin Ross has a skill set that can succeed in the league, but he's also got a defined set of strengths and weaknesses that only a few players have made work. Can he do it? Sure. It's just hard. Hmm. I'm buying narrowly. Okay. If uh, if the Chiefs win total is projected at 11 and a half, are you taking the over or under? I'm hammering that over. I, I mean, the, the, here's the thing. Look at what the Chiefs have done the last three or four seasons. They deserve the benefit of a doubt over a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, a team that added a maybe washed up Russ Wilson and lost the defensive coordinator that gave Mahomes problems. Now we'll see. Now I might look like an idiot for saying this, and I'm, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it is what it is. And the Raiders, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll find out. I mean, maybe we'll see. But even if those three teams all do really, really well, that's six games out of the year. The Chiefs are not some nine-win team. They've been consistently excellent. And so I I would be surprised if they won fewer than 12 games. But, you know, they've surprised me horribly before. So I guess we'll see. Man, one more for you. Give us a surprise cut. Oh, the surprise cuts. I always hate those because I can never really. You know what? At this point, the most likely surprise cut that would freak out the fan base is Justin Ross. Yeah. Um, and, and that sounds terrible to say. I hope he makes it. Great story. The skill set is there. Yeah. It's just hard. It's hard yeah. to succeed as a contested catch guy in the NFL. Man. Well, Seth, we know you got to go. You've been uh, it's a sort of pleasure to have you on the show. Hopefully, maybe we can have you in again, training camp or something, and talk more about what we're seeing and, and learning from the Chiefs. That would be absolutely awesome. I really appreciate you guys asking me. Sorry that I have to go. I can already, like, I can feel my phone buzz. Yep, I've got a text. I actually answered a phone <laughs> call from Jazz while recording Times Ours last week or two weeks ago. <laughs> and so I'm actually not going to do what I was about to do. So do like a FaceTime thing. It. But no, I, I appreciate you guys very much. And, and hopefully we can chat again soon. It sounds, sounds good. So we'll see you later. All right. Take care. See ya. Folks, you can uh, you can make sure to keep up with what Seth's doing uh, online. Follow him on Twitter at RealMN. That's for Minnesota Chiefs fan. Um, he's also part of the Times Hours podcast, which is always hilarious and informative, with our friend Josh Briscoe, who was on the show just a few weeks ago, and Nate Taylor from The Athletic, and Seth himself. Um, and then also subscribe to Chief of the North newsletter. I think we can put the link in the chat. Um, and we already have as well, but uh, that's easily Googleable. Is that a word, Sterling? Googleable? It sounds like a word. I, I do want to touch base on something really quickly. Talking about Justin Ross, I don't want to seem like I'm a hater or that I'm not rooting for Justin Ross, right? Obviously, his story is incredible. I think there's something there. I think this season is going to be tough. I think in the future, he could make an impact for Kansas City. But just this season, I feel like it's more of a practice squad situation. The reason Mm -hmm. why is when you are a rookie, going to be what, the fifth string, sixth string wide receiver on a roster, you have to play special teams. I don't see him playing special teams with those injury concerns. That's the only reason. If he played special teams, I would say, yes, he's on the roster. But that's my concern is – he will not make it because of that. I think the Chiefs have a plethora of guys in the secondary. They're going to get more physical when it comes to special teams, and that's going to go with the secondary pieces, the cornerbacks, the extra safeties, and they don't want to put Justin Ross in harm's way. That's my opinion. I know the doctors, 
some of the best medical doctors in the entire world, right? They know what they are doing. They obviously do not want to put Justin Ross in a compromised situation. They would not have drafted him if they thought there was some probably situation where he's could be just catastrophic, right? Brett Veach has talked about this when it came to uh, Trey Smith and the blood clots at, at right guard. So I trust the medical staff, but, you know, being a wide receiver and then also playing special teams, I think that's two different scenarios here. Yeah, you know, I, I find this really interesting and, and because the, the talent's obviously there. I mean, how many receivers get Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to, like, actively tweet and spread the word about how great this guy is, right? Like, how much they're just, like, kind of laughing at his ability and then, or the way he's just so smooth at being so good. Like, those kind of traits are rare, and if if he's turning the heads of the team's biggest stars, that makes me pay attention. Right. And of course, his body of work in college at the same time. But yeah, you're also right. Look, seven rounds went where he did not go. And it, it, like from the from if you didn't know better, you would think he was the chief second round pick and Sky Moore was the undrafted free agent. That's what you would think. Yeah. And it's just kind of laughable the way the hype has been. I don't know. Someone's going to be proven wrong one way or the other. I get that people want to be optimistic. I get that people saw early on, uh, you know, that, that it'd be really nice if if Ross works out. But um, I, there are hurdles there, and, and people aren't admitting those hurdles. Yes, and, and the thing, people are like, well, if he was healthy, he would have been a second. Well, no shit, of course, but he's hurt. It's it's not Madden. He, he was hurt. These were major injuries, and it wasn't just – the spine, it was also his foot. Like, there are multiple injuries here. I really hope he works out. I really, really hope he works out. And I love the flyer, the undrafted flyer on him. It makes complete sense. I just don't know who he is going ahead of and who's going to take snaps from if he's not going to play special teams when you have McColl, MVS, Juju, right? Then you're going to have Sky Moore. I, I'm not going to probably throw Josh Gordon in there because I don't, I, I'm, you know me, I was out on Josh Gordon last year. I'm not going right. to be riding that wave this year. But if he's your five, six guy, that guy has to play special teams. So I, I just, I don't know how he makes it this upcoming season. Again, I'm rooting for him. I want him to, but there's just so many unknowns. I'm taking the more cautious approach, I guess, than the extreme yeah. optimistic approach. Hey, look, it, 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 taking the cautious approach right now is rolling with conventional wisdom. Like anyone who wants to make him out to be some automatic lock um, is the one being a little bit delusional or at least being, or at least being like ridiculously optimistic, which you can be. That's fine. It's the offseason. Yeah. Right now, every fan base is optimistic when you know half the teams are going to have a losing record. So, like, <laughs> that's fine. But but anyone who's like, oh, man, forget, you know, like, I mean, someone here in the comments, hey, I'm out on these, you know, these guys are down on Justin Ross. I'm out. Uh, honestly, fine. Be out. If you can't handle nuance or real facts or the fact that the whole draft came and went without someone writing the words Justin Ross. People wrote three punters' names on draft cards and not Justin Ross. So if you're out there, you're probably out on 32 general managers. So good luck drinking whatever watery junk. You're not even drinking KC beer, beer, man. You're not even (laughs) drinking KC beer. Anyway, I'm just joking around. Feel free. We're out. I'm out. My wife would probably tell you, like, yeah, I'm out on that guy too. Whatever. I don't um, know, man. You, last year, you're the dude who was so high on Josh Gordon. I'm surprised you're not on, on Justin Ross too. Yeah. Again, look, I just say that. What do I know? I don't know. Like I told Seth, I've been doing bad takes since 2010. I'm employed. Do, Whatever. Do Screw you that. have a surprise starter, a guy that you think a lot of people are not talking about enough that either gets major playing time or starts that you think is not getting enough enough run here? Uh, I'm going to say this, and I don't like it. Like, I'll like hear me say, I hate this scenario. But I think Lucas Niang is coming back from a troublesome injury. I think Darian Kennard is a rookie. It wouldn't surprise me if Andrew Wiley is your starting right tackle. Yeah, that's the safe approach. I was, I thought you were on the Lucas Niang train with me, and I was about to get so stoked. I, I'm, I, I'm riding that Lucas Niang train until it's the same thing with like Aldeberto Mondesi for the Royals. I understand I'm an idiot. I understand he's never going to live up to the the potential, but there's always just something tantalizing, and you're like, I've, I've ridden this train so long. If I get off now, I feel like I'm, I'm just going to miss my stop. I'm going to miss my stop. We're almost there. You know, one foot more and I, and I make it. So I'm just going to keep riding with Lucas Niang until uh, he's out of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope you're right because he's uh, 
because he's on, um, you know, he's on a rookie deal, second year of a rookie deal. If if you can grab a starter there, you're looking at three cost controlled years. Um, you know, I mean, I, I love that quote from Chase Young. I think we'll be quoting we'll be quoting that about Lucas Niang <laughs> until he's 45. That one time, at one time, Chase Young thought he was badass. Uh, maybe he still is. I love it. I I hope for him because he seems like a great guy, a really willing player, a really gifted player where injuries have just gotten the best of them. And that seemed to maybe kind of be the case with Willie Gay for the first year and a half, too. And then we started to see some consistency in playing time, and then we really saw him come into his own, and you're like, oh, okay, Willie Gay is going to be a player here. I hope we're saying the same thing about Lucas Niang at the end of next year. So, uh, yeah, that's what I think. What do you think? What, who's your surprise starter? Mm, I was going to say Lucas Niang. He was going to be my surprise starter. Whenever he's fully healthy and cleared to go, I think he takes over at right tackle. I think a lot of people are giving it to Kennard because he was drafted. I think Kennard's going to be a – I would be – I'd be fine with Kennard, right? I'd be fine. I just I, I just feel like Lucas Niang has just so much potential. There's a reason why Kennard was a fifth round, if I'm not mistaken, fifth round for yeah. Kennard. So. Yeah. Uh, and Kyle on, on the – comments right here brought up a fun one gordon baker and gore are his surprise possible cuts i want to touch on deandre baker i feel like that's actually a decent scenario and, and one that I, i'm with you with there kyle I, deandre baker has been kind of duct tape in the secondary last year right they brought him in he was the former first round draft pick had whatever happened to him in in, in new york those off the field i don't want to say issues because a lot of it got overturned right but he was not really brought in or even brought in this year to be a major piece in the secondary, in my opinion. They've spent so much capital in the secondary. Uh, Joshua Williams, even, for example, I think has a lot of high upside. I'm with you. I think DeAndre Baker could be on the cutting block, and I wouldn't be that surprised. Where do you land there, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Baker's days are over. I think the number of cornerbacks in the draft speaks for like anything other than the surest things in the secondary. I think they tell the story of how much Brett Veach wanted to go after those guys. Um, I will say this one, one maybe surprise. I think Jalen Watson. Um, this will be a minor surprise. I think Jalen Watson is going to be more NFL ready and will get more playing time than Josh Williams this year. I think he's going to be like this year's Fenton. I think he's going to show up well. He's experienced. He's got the stuff. I, I, yeah, I think he's in that mold. So I like it. Anyway, no more surprises here. We're out of surprises because we're out of showtime, folks. If you hung with us, we know there's a lot of bad jokes today. The good news is Sterling's mustache has carried us this far, and now we'll close. Uh, as always, if you're listening, if you're watching, we so appreciate all of you, except for the guy who told us to get out of here. Uh, he's still drinking <laughs> watery beer. I'm just, I'm, I'm obsessed with that guy or girl, whoever they are. <laughs> well, dude, me. this is bad though, Matt, because now people know they can get under your skin. See, you got to have thick skin because the second dude, you show a weakness, you are going to get taken advantage of. I'm all weakness. And also, I'm not even thinking about that guy after we're out of here. So, uh, <laughs> hey, my name is Matt Connor. You can follow me. You don't need to follow me. At, at Homestretch KC is Sterling Holmes. On Thursday, Matt Verneram will be with you um, at the very least. I'm not sure about Patrick. Patrick Allen's on vacation, folks, hanging out in, uh, in sunny Florida. And uh, I think he's gone for the next week. So we'll see what's up. Next week, I'll be gone. Sterling's going to be running the show, and I'm sure he'll have some special guestery and magic at work, and we'll see if the, if the mustache is still there. S seriously, love to y'all. Um, anyone who listens, anyone who watches, um, it's a lot of fun to hang out, to interact, to be with you guys. And Sterling, my man, I'm glad to see you back from COVID. It's good to see you again. Hey, good uh, to be back, baby. <laughs> Peace out to everyone, and we'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.